This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The sermon that I'm going to preach was birthed out of Pentecost. And since we are still in the spirit of Pentecost, I thought how fitting it would be to continue on the same path. The scripture that was read to your hearing came from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and verse 14. I will read it again so that we're all on the same page. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now in verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. It is with this scripture I will preach from the title, From Watching to Doing, From Watching to Doing. Let us pray. Most gracious, merciful, and eternal Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand behind your sacred desk. Thank you for using me as a vessel to proclaim your word. I have studied, I have done my research. Now by the power of the Holy Spirit, preach this word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you are indeed my rock and my redeemer. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Today I'd like to take us on a little journey of teaching about Pentecost. Yes, I do understand it took place last week. But, as I said before, This message was birthed out of Pentecost. And I want to talk about what it means to us as the church of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to start off by reading you a story written by a young woman. And the story begins like this. When I was a girl growing up, I don't remember being taught about the Holy Spirit. And I was raised in a committed Christian home where my parents Love Jesus, obey Jesus, serve Jesus, where God the Father was worshipped in reverence and fear, but I just don't remember being taught about the Holy Spirit. When I went to church, and I went to church every Sunday, the Holy Spirit was referred to as the Holy Ghost, and ghost was a little off-putting to me. I didn't feel comfortable with a ghost. 
So I had neglected the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until I was a young adult studying the scriptures for myself that I came to understand more fully who he is. I wonder if you too are confused about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know him at all. Maybe things you've heard about him are off-putting to you. And so I think it's worth our while to get to know him as the Bible reveals who he is. That night that Jesus was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, he gathered with his disciples in the upstairs room. And I want us to join them. It was after he had supper with his disciples. He had washed their feet. He dismissed Judas. And then do you remember what he was teaching his disciples? He taught them about heaven, that in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I love Thomas's response to that. Lord, we don't know where you're going. and We don't know how to get there. That provoked the incredible response from Jesus. Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to the Father except they come through me. Then he taught them in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can't do anything. He taught them about the persecution that if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. The disciples were crowding around that table in the upstairs room. They were beginning to get the picture. Jesus was leaving. I think in their spirits, they were crying out, oh no, you can't leave us. They were getting the impression that they were going to be responsible for his ministry in his visible absence. And so I think there was a strong resistance to being overwhelmed with that load of responsibility. As I read this story, I wondered how many of us neglect the Holy Spirit too. Because we have fear of the word ghost, or really never understood what the role or the function of the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to the teaching for today. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is the Greek name for the Jewish Feast of Weeks, also called the Festival of First Harvest. On the Jewish calendar, it is held 50 days after Passover. It is one of the three major annual festivals, a festival of thanksgiving for the harvested crops. Jews of many nations had gathered for this festival. For Christians, Pentecost marks the birthday of the Christian church. Pentecost took place 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Pentecost is the third great day in the Christian calendar, and I'm sure we are aware where the first two are. Christmas, which celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ, and Easter, which is the resurrection of Jesus. 
Pentecost, the story is rooted in Acts 2 and celebrates the day when the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles who were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem. My question is, why was the descending of the Holy Spirit on the disciples such an important event? And I'm glad you asked that question along with me. After the resurrection of Jesus, he was among the disciples for 40 days before ascending into heaven. Jesus spent time with them, he taught them, he trained them, and he appeared to them. Now, during Jesus' three-year ministry, Jesus used everyday opportunities to train his disciples to serve and minister to others. During this time, the disciples watched as Jesus modeled and embodied what it is to be a disciple, what it is to be one of his followers. Jesus set the example for them. Jesus modeled intentional actions in his relationships with people. Jesus commissioned his disciples to be his witnesses. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age, as recorded in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Now, fast forward to Acts chapter 1. Right before Jesus ascended, and while staying with the disciples, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And I believe, Reverend Marriott, I know that he touched on that last week. And we jump to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now let's take a pen right here really quick. So just imagine this for a minute. Jesus, right before he ascended, he's gathered with his disciples and has given them one last instruction before he ascends to sit on the right hand of God. What would you think? How would you feel at that moment? Let's go and be amongst the disciples at that point. Jesus is telling them to go to the Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come. He didn't specify how many days. He just said, not many days from now. Can you imagine what that's like? That they have now had to wait? Not only they have, they're recognizing that Jesus has to go, but now he says, wait. Can you wait? Many of us can be honest. It's difficult sometimes to wait on the Lord. But you know what the word says? When we wait on the Lord, our strength will be renewed. Do you know what it's like to wait? Go there with the disciples as you journey up to Jerusalem, into the upper room. I could imagine as they waited 
And often as we have to wait on the Lord, we begin to be more focused and intentional, being in prayer and waiting for God to speak. So we gather together with the disciples in the upper room. You're there, we're there, and we're watching and waiting. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven and fills the whole house that we are sitting in. Then we see what seems to be tongues of fire separated and comes to rest on each of us. We can't sit on ourselves, but we see what's taking place. The Holy Spirit has descended and has filled the room. And we all begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit enables us. Can you see it? It's a supernatural event that has just taken place. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit came by sound, visual, and the manifestations of us speaking different languages. Yet, we are all on one accord. We have just been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And when this happens, a crowd is formed outside. And remember when I said at the very beginning that this is the festival of weeks. So Jews of many nations had come and gathered together for this particular time. So a crowd is formed outside and people start talking because they're not quite sure what's taking place. And they begin to say, these men are drunk with wine. Oftentimes, we don't know what's happening in the church, and we see the supernatural um, um, events take place of the Holy Spirit. We begin to whisper, what's wrong with them? What's going on with them? What's happening? That's what we say because we don't understand. There's not much difference from them and us. And this is when Peter, good old Peter, addresses the crowd and lets them know they are not drunk with wine, but they are drunk with the Spirit. And Peter proceeds to preach his first sermon, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 souls are saved. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times, 50, 53 days prior to Pentecost. This is the same Peter who stood, who stood in the midst of a crowd who said, crucify him. And Peter said nothing. This is the same Peter who, when asked, are you a follower of this man? He said nothing. And all of a sudden, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Peter stood boldly, courageously, fiercely among the very people he came face to face with prior to the crucifixion of Jesus and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. His confidence came from the Holy Spirit. Beloved, Peter and the other disciples did not simply change their mind at that moment. They were changed. John 15, 26 to 27 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. When we believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us and we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper, our guide, our comforter. We can do nothing apart from God. Brothers and sisters, we must know that the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us if we're a believer in Jesus Christ. And what good is it to watch, to listen, to learn, when we don't put it into practice? Why are you neglecting the Holy Spirit? You know, a couple years ago, I had a cousin who purchased a new car, and he had an old car. You know those cars where you had to roll the window down? You didn't have to press a button, but he rolled the window down, cassette player and all. Didn't have Bluetooth. So he got this new car, and he came and said, you know, he wanted to come pick me up so I could see it. So I get in the car, and you know, I know what my cousin, what kind of music he likes, and, and there's no music on, and he's just driving. And I was like, cuz, you know, how do you feel about this car? He was like, oh, it rides really smooth. You know, I'm really enjoying it. And I was like, well, I don't hear your favorite song. He said, I don't know how to do all that. And I said, so you went and got a new car and purchased all these accessories in it, but you don't know how to use it. Then what was the point of you getting a new car? You know, and so I pulled out the manual and I opened it and I told him to pull over. He was like, what are you doing? I said, just, just, just come with me. You know, just go along with me. So I, I, I went and I showed him how to program his, his favorite station. And I showed him how, how to use the GPS. And I showed him how to put on the satellite radio. And he got so excited that morning. He's like, oh, I didn't know how to use this. And oh, I said, all you had to do was open the manual. Brothers and sisters, all we have to do is open the manual. This is the Bible. God teaches us everything we need to know is in here, even about the Holy Spirit. The manual has been given to us. There's no point in it for it never to be opened. In closing, beloved, the disciples walked with Jesus. They were trained by Jesus. They were ministered by Jesus. And they watched Jesus. Now the time came when Jesus had to leave. But Jesus didn't leave them alone. He left them a helper, a guide. He left them the power to do the work to fulfill God's purpose. Beloved, we can no longer be spectators, but rather we need to be participants in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to receive and embrace the power we have been given, that of the Holy Spirit. So when you think of Pentecost, and I know it just passed, but still in the same spirit, you've got to remember that it marks the outpouring of the Holy Spirit by which we as believers are equipped to do the work of God. So let us go from watching to doing. Amen.